Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And I hit the stream button. So we should be live in a minute. I've signed out of the other account. I figured out why I was echoing because I unplugged my phone from the headset and uh, it was echoing. So we should be clear. So I don't know. uh, I don't really need to check it. We'll just pretend like we're broadcasting. So uh, Mike Crichton is in the top left corner. He's a leader in the community and a member of our men's group, a leader in our men's group, also a pastor, uh, a pastor over at uh, Christian Center on Fisher Street, correct? A guy that was uh, at one time deeply involved in the financial sector as uh, a way of making a living. And now I think your sustenance is being a God, being a preacher. You're a a pastor now. A professional holy man. Oh, professional holy man. George is in the bottom right. Uh, I describe him as a better hugger than I, and that's a huge compliment. Um, um, Also a part-time pastor at the Christian Center, a guy that was deeply involved in the insurance industry and quite successful at that for a long time. And also a leader of this men's group that's been going on over a decade now. Weird that I even consider myself a leader in this awesome group. Uh, Paul Layton is in the bottom left corner. My favorite saying to Paul Layton is, shut up, Layton. I say that with love. He's, as you know, a musician, uh, a native, and uh, a guy that I'm still learning to love. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you know guys uh, you know I, it's a learning thing mike and i i love the guy but you know we have this this uh this no well, it's everyone's got a different relationship and you know i'll start out by saying you know like and i've confessed this to mike is like you know i've learned to like to love mike because you know people when you first meet him you're like oh i don't know and i don't know how long that lasted for but i mean you know, Mike's gift to me has been his unfailing wisdom and his depth of knowledge in all things biblical, I guess. So uh, this is what I'll call overtime. I'm Jim. Thanks for joining us. I got the permission from the guys. Just This is overtime because every Thursday morning we jump on the Zoom call and we gather at Central Community Church where Bill Markham usually leads a session. Uh, today he was uh, absent and he sent his substitute teacher in, Mario, which was great. Uh, we got to meet him for the first time. And then, you know, a bunch of the men have commitments after 8.30 and some of us don't. And uh, this is my commitment. So I, I kind of schedule my, you know, I make this an open time for me. So I make it important. So with the permission of the men... Um, and with the idea that we won't divulge anything uh, personal about the people that didn't give us uh, permission to talk with, to speak what they talked about, we had a guy share today about he went to Ottawa, and the conversation went off like that, and he's going back on this weekend, and he said he was moved to tears multiple times, and you know I kind of confess to you guys that I've given up, I'm burned out, I, you know at a time when I should be taking a victory lap and saying, see all this. All the sacrifice that we, you know, as a broadcaster or, you know, like I've got a court date in an hour, you know, like I've got to appear before the provincial offenses court because I left my house and took a microphone. So that was the 
was the structure of our whole conversation for an hour today. And so maybe Mike, you can start off by just telling us a little bit about yourself, how it landed on you today and anything else you have to offer. Yeah, I think that the issue that we were all struggling with and is, is first of all, from first principles, we were, we're trying to figure out why this dissatisfaction has finally has finally come to fruition and, and, and certain, certain parts of our society in Canada, which, you know, we are, we are not as militant, for example, as our Southern brothers are in, in the way that we handle, um, uh, handle circumstances that we consider to be quite frankly, I mean, if you talk to somebody, um, in that group, I'm sure you'll say that they think that this, that everything that we've experienced in terms of mandating is unjust. That's their, that's their principle. And so for us, the thing that we need to understand more than anything else as members of the Christian community is how do we deal with justice? And how do we, how do we put ourselves in a position where we can further the kingdom of God when we see injustice? And how does our Christian belief system tell us that we should move forward when we see things that are unjust and do we do it the way the world says to do it, which is to, which is to invoke things like, and I uh, cancel culture, for example, and ultimately what we need to understand is that we are valuable to the extent of what God says we're worth. And when we come in into um, into conflict with somebody who doesn't believe the same thing that we do, we ultimately do not cancel them. We actually remember that they are made in the image of God, just like we are. And mercy and grace should be our fallback position. And we can leave that conversation, not necessarily coming to conclude that one of us uh, is going to acquiesce to the other's opinion, we may agree to disagree, but that doesn't mean that we impugn your actual inherent worth. It means that we say, this is what we believe, this is what you believe, but I still believe that you have worth. And I think that's one of the things that we can do to establish relationships where respect can still exist, even if, even if agreement doesn't. And I think that's one of the things that we are called to do in the Christian community that we are really misrepresented on. And part of it's our own fault because we don't do it well. But even if that's the case, those of us who are trying to figure out what to, what to do that's right, we try to do it in the context of what God calls us to do. And that's what the whole conversation today was about. How do we when we see perceive injustice how do we as christian men proceed given that we see it and we talked about a lot of things we talked about i, I brought up the example for um of martin luther king jr and his letter from a birmingham jail talking about how he perceived injustice and what was the right course forward to do something about it and because he took his biblical viewpoint into the protest, it turned out to be arguably the most effective social change um, that 
we experienced in the in the 20th century. And there's a there's a model for us as Christian men to be able to look at that and say, what did that do for us and how does that help us? Sorry, I talked a little more than I thought I would, but that's that's kind of it's all good. An opening salvo. And Hallelujah and amen. That's kind of the space that we create out <laughs> yeah. here. Is there's no, you know. No, like, I found uh, even with myself the uh, common thread which surprised me with with uh, one of the brothers there that uh, went to Ottawa, how moved he was to tears on the issue which resembled my my personal brother uh in my family is not a believer at all but had talked to me about seeing the uh what was going on with the truckers and that and it moved him to tears so for my brother to be moved to tears of what's happening there is something happening here for uh one of the brothers there at church that went to ottawa saying I felt love when I was there. All of a sudden, it wasn't the issues the uh, media was trying to bring out. It was the truths that were coming from the conversations of the truckers that uh, moved him to feel loved. And I find it that, and I've always said before that, in the Christian faith, when a person is following the Holy Spirit and love comes out of you, that it moves other people to love back. And and it got me pondering that that's what's happening here, mixed in with all of this. Not saying that it, it it's only a religious experience, because some people will just not be moved at all. It's, it's again, whoever taps into it sees it their eyes are opened ears are opened to be able to feel that presence of what's being said and the martin luther king story of the nonviolent way of being able to uh protest has always moved me even from Ga- the movie gandhi and all of these have moved me of nonviolence because it basically teaches Jesus. Jesus has told us, you know, you're to love your enemies as your, as your neighbor. And that is the hardest thing for us as humans. When there could be elements that an enemy could have done to hurt us and what gets in the way. Just before I bring Paul in, one of my memories came up. Now it disappeared. I wish I had shared it right away, but I, I don't know. Some years ago, probably a year ago today, I posted, and it came up as a memory. Um, there is no reason for violent protests, in quotes, for any reason. And I think that's, you know, I've been, I put my, uh, my flag back up on my Twitter account, my Canadian flag, because I left the country because... I, I didn't want to get trapped there. And I'm not saying I'm ashamed to be Canadian, but I certainly wasn't proud under Justin Trudeau's leadership. And this whole thing has reinvigorated my faith in humankind, mankind, I can say that, people kind. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
And I finally believe, only by seeing proof, we saw Aaron O'Toole step down yesterday. Max Bernier's been never left the stage. He seems to me like the unelected opposition in Canada. And suddenly now I have uh, faith again that it's all going to be okay. You know, I did a broadcast with somebody at one point and they said, Jimmy, you know why these vaccine mandates aren't going to mean anything in two years? I said, why? He says, because it's all going to go away. It always has gone away. We forget history. We get so caught up in our n negative cynicism and resignation that we forget that we went through the plague and went back to normal. We went through, you know, Ebola. And we conquered the first version of SARS, you know, had that big concert in Toronto and it didn't escape Toronto. Well, this one's a little bit more contagious and, and I still have hope that we're going to look back on these days and go, why did we put masks on our kids? Anyways, I say all that to introduce Paul Layton. Paul, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're going through, and what you got out of today, if you like. I, I play piano, but um, I became proactive uh, probably the last election, last, last provincial election, uh, with Kathleen Wynn, Bill C-68, uh, I believe, or Bill 89, but it basically removed what was the remainder of parental rights. And so I had a big problem, and um, that influenced me to run in, as a libertarian because uh, they seemed to be like the only party that really respected creation and <laughs> mankind, and it, you know what I mean? It was... Uh, self res being responsible for yourself and uh small government which i think a lot of the the belief system of the libertarian we probably most of us agree with or would agree with just leave me alone government <laughs> <laughs> but of course you were a green so like we're supposed to love our neighbor and you know the green party is included. So yeah, we were talking about that today. We were talking about uh, loving our enemy, um, not passing judgment on these words. You know that Trudeau has been using, which um, are are really detrimental to acquiring peace or harmony, uh, unification, and it certainly isn't an example of inclusion. So I don't really think he has a right to use that word or that he represents that word because I don't think he re represents that word with his actions. Uh, politically, like I said, Kathleen Wynne got me started in this and um, I never really left. I am more in the background. I like to influence and give, you know share my ideas and more of like in the think tank part of uh, politics. Uh, because I don't want to run again, and I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> it's really not my forte to uh, be a speaker or uh, represent a party, but I definitely want to be a part of uh, any possible chance of a renaissance, uh, which I think we really need at this point. And I think we could acquire it, but now I have to go to Mike on this, because even if we acquire it, is, is, isn't the Bible really playing itself out anyway? Can we, do we want to stop it? Can we stop it? What if we did stop it? The implications go all over the map for me. Well, I mean, from a biblical perspective, there's a lot of ways to look at it. But one of the things is that, you know, 
when Moses was on was on Mount Sinai, he prayed and changed God's mind. That's that's the that's what the that's what the story seems to indicate. And, I and so that you couldn't negotiate with God. Well, no, that's right. He just he just said, please, 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 right? Um, and and in in that respect too, I mean, I, I think that that's a possibility. I don't see it these days. I'm more inclined to believe something else, which is that the prophetic nature of the book itself, the Bible itself, is the more the more it's studied, the more I believe that it is the word of God and it is true and it is going it has already distinguished itself as a prophetic book because a lot of the prophecies have come true. For example, the nation of Israel in existence at all has been prophesied in the past and now is a reality. Um, so I'm more and more concerned with the idea that that if he said what he said was true about one thing, it must be true about another thing too. And what does he have to say about the end of days? And he has something very specific to say about that. And we need to know about it and we need to know what our part is in that. And so I'm not a fatalist. I don't believe Christians are called to be fatalists, but I do believe they are to be, they'll be active um, catalysts for the kingdom of God. And there's lots of ways that we can, we can do that. Um, we don't, it's probably beyond the purview of what we're talking about today, but that is to, to be our mindset. Ultimately, Matthew 28 still, still is, is our primary command, which is to go into the world, all the world, and make disciples. And, uh, and that's still true. Um, and we do that in the context of very contentious social circumstances like we have right now. Um, I mean, if you're, up, if you're up in Ottawa and you're a Christian, should you be at the should you be talking to truckers about Jesus? There's a question for you. Um, maybe that's a bigger issue. And maybe that's something that'll be much more of a healing to people who feel injustice than trying to have the world determine what, what the healing is supposed to look like. And as a Christian who believes that ultimate healing comes from the, from the death and resurrection of Jesus, when he says it's finished, he meant it, and he meant it completely. When that when that's the premise upon which you you base your understanding of the world and how it's going to unfold, then you basically submit yourself to the will of God and say, you know, I trust you. And like I said to you guys earlier, this is about trusting in the character of God. The espoused character of God as we understand him, who who found a way to balance justice and mercy and grace on the cross to allow us to be back in relationship with him when there what didn't seem to be a way. And he did it without impugning our free will. And so the, the point that has to be said here is, I don't know what the actual timeline looks like, but I do know the one who has made the timeline and I know what he's like and I trust them to do the right thing. 
you know, as a guy, you know, I jokingly refer to myself as a failing Christian because, well, I'm also a guy that acknowledges I'm also a hateful human being, you know? <laughs> uh, I have uh, I have a hard time trying to bring love into my broadcast because I'm always so angry about what's going on. And I think it was Sh- yeah. uh, Shapiro that clarified it for me that, and I don't, I'm not like Jim who can, uh, or Jim V, who can, and many of you guys who can pull scripture and quote the Bible verse and how it applies to the conversation that we're having, except Genesis 126, 127, I think it is both of them. And Shapiro said, you know, we owe all of our laws, not so much maybe morality as, as a whole, but our laws come from that verse. And basically it says we created man in our own image and that we're all the same. You're as much like Trump as you're, you know, like, and I think, you know, I think that's where we fail to be honest. Like I'm a broken human being. I could, you know, I could be a lot better, but this idea that all our laws came from the idea that we're all equal and that nobody should judge anyone. And I struggle with that all the time, ego judgment and pride or what I, you know, thank God for continuing to heal me from because it, you know, I've, I describe it as that big sack of laundry that's in front of me and that that prevents me from getting close to people because I'm always in judgment or I'm always leading with my ego and stuff like that. So, you know, although I'm not well versed at, you know, quoting scripture, that's one, you know, if I had a favorite, most important uh, line of that, those 66 books that are compiled together to be the Bible. I think Genesis 126 starts out by going, you're all the same. We created you in our image, and you should love everyone just like they were created in our image. Well, there's also the premise there, Jim, that we live in a plane where we're on that plane where emotion and feelings are here, and we get hurt from our feelings, our emotions can get angered or whatever the case may be, but there's a third element that a lot of people fail to recognize, see, or, or remember that as soon as Jesus death and resurrection and brought the comforter is the Holy spirit. That's that third entity that intertwines within the feelings within the emotion that's touched by God when you're being called. And the calling is not just all of a sudden you're waiting for it. Like God sees everyone's hearts and knows where where we're prepared. It's been 41 years I've been following him now. And man, I can tell you 42 years, I just definitely was not ready to, for the calling. I, I, didn't even realize it at that point in time that that was happening. But when all of a sudden that third difference enters your life, it starts getting you to understand and see where the hurts come from in your emotions, where the hurts come from through your feelings and that you need that third entity to guide you because 
we're trapped in this one area and we've got no basic way to escape it if it isn't for the Holy Spirit coming and pulling us out of it. And that's what he does is he pulls us out of it to understand, to comprehend. And it, it doesn't happen overnight. It happens little by little. I think Isaiah's got the uh, scriptures where it says line upon line, here a little, there a little, line upon line. It, it, it's given to you over your lifetime, over the period of time God is preparing for what you've been basically created for, each and every one of us. Very unique positions we've been created for to be influential to one another, to motivate one another, to help one another grow. And the only way it's done is with that third element. And that's with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, how can, when I say I love you, is it coming from me or my spirit? Or is it coming because God loved me first, brought me to an awareness of his love. And then through that Holy Spirit, he's giving me that love to love you back. And all of a sudden there's a genuine a genuine uniqueness of love that's being returned right to a person that's being called out to be a disciple. And it's not being done out of numbers. We want to just increase our numbers. No, it's got nothing to do with that. And I think too many people think that it's a numbers game and whatever, because we stay on the plane of emotion and feeling. And we don't realize it's that third element that's needed in there to find the balance and then all of a sudden when that balance is there when the comprehension is there those that have gone through it know exactly what i'm talking about those that haven't gone through it and kind of think that this is all greek to me and <laughs> off by the wayside that's okay the holy spirit is patient it's kind and it's gentle it never turns anyone away so it's first a humble heart, knock, seek, and ask, and the Holy Spirit brings you to an awareness of it. And that's where you get where you're not angry at anymore all the time. You're not lashing out anymore all the time. You're starting to change. There's a transformation that's happening. And where's that transformation coming? It's not coming from you. It's coming from what the Spirit can do through you. And all of a sudden, when that love that God has implanted through you to be an influencer to others, it's genuine. It's genuine. It's not a manufacturer. It's not a manipulation. It's far from it. And unfortunately, too much of the accuser wants to downgrade how beautiful the Holy Spirit brings us to his awareness. You know what, George, we, the, you know what's coming up just before Paul jumps in. What's coming up for me a lot lately is this idea of knock, seek, and ask. And I don't mean in a biblical, spiritual, religious sense, and maybe because Jordan Peterson brings it up quite a lot, the psycho psychological sense. It's coming up everywhere for me now. And it, it's, it's reminded me how much I struggle with the whole knock, seek, and ask. And I mean in, in the literal, in, in the real world. You know, in the practical sense, not in the spiritual sense, how difficult it is for me to not even ask for help, to accept it when it's offered. 
you know, like somehow I feel unworthy or guilty or something. I don't know. It's coming up for me quite a lot. But anyways, Paul, jump in on your thoughts. Yeah, well, we definitely live in the age of, of ac- accusations. Lots of accusing and labels. Labels are weaponized. And it's it's, it's hard to watch. But uh, when that this convoy started, uh, it not only just brought the whole country together, it touched everyone around the world, across the world. So it was it was so such a beautiful moment for mankind really. We really came together and it and I didn't even know these other countries even, you know, really f- paid attention to Canada, you know. I f- uh, I I feel like uh, we'd be boring for them like there's not a lot of action. <laughs> but but uh it, it's it's touching them when they respond and, you know, wish us well to the convoy and and everyone elon musk and all these people tucker has been amazing and uh so we're we are getting uh, real coverage which is important because uh it really exposes the, the media and the, the government and uh, exposure is definitely what we need at this point we're getting it and uh we 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 have our prayer so there's lots of prayer happening and lots of love happening and unity and we I feel uh a lot of people were really moved like myself over the whole thing and it's not over they're not going to leave until it's we get what we want but how is this going to affect the you know the mark of the beast and the progress that they've made in that direction i mean do we as as christians do you want to really stop this don't you want this to go forward just to fulfill itself so the suffering will be over sooner i i want to i want to step back for a second and and eventually in a roundabout way answer that question but when when jim made reference to genesis 1 26 and 27 ultimately that statement frames a worldview because it starts to help us understand what the value of humanity is and this is this is what what i think is is why we are called to be to treat our fellow man with respect if we're all made in the image of him um then that's the parameters upon which you determine somebody's worth added to that when people ask you know what am i what am i worth usually in a capitalistic society you're worth whatever somebody's prepared to pay for you (laughs) and and the idea of what we're worth and some people have said this and i don't it's it's um uh it's uh, uh one way of looking at it i don't know if i agree with it because it implies that there are limited resources in heaven but God thought we were worth enough to bankrupt heaven for a time to buy us back. And I think that's the, the fundamental premise upon how we determine whether or not we, and by extension, everybody we come in contact with has equal worth and it's infinite. In God's eyes, it's something extraordinary. In our eyes, we've made it mediocre and, and unimportant and 
completely secondary to the idea of if I can if I can override you some way, if I can exercise power over you some way, I can actually negate your value completely to the um, uh, to the extension of my own value. That's and completely wrong in in an understanding from a Christian point of view about where we ascribe our value from. And I think, you know, what Paul's talking about is that, look, there's a whole lot of things that we see here that don't make sense to us. And we've exhausted our logic, we've exhausted our intellect, we've exhausted our psychology, we've exhausted all of it, and it all looks to us like there's something else going on other than the good of mankind and the point is, we're not, we're not wired at this point to understand all of that. We live in a, as Christians, we believe we live in a world that's tainted by sin. And what George was saying earlier about the, the necessity of having a helper in the Holy Spirit, that's something we rely on daily. Because we need it. We need that divine direction which we get in a number of ways. We get it biblically. We get it by reading the Bible. We get it through prayer. We get it through divine inspiration, all of those things. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that takes us away from truth. It moves us towards it. And so the question that, that always comes to me is, if you're, if you're not using that as the parameter, who, because Jesus made a, made a claim that nobody else makes. He said, I'm the way the truth, I am the truth, and the life. Those are truth claims that that if you make them and they're not true, you are a charlatan or a madman. Yep. And he's neither. So on that basis, you make the argument and say, God, I believe you. And I believe what you say is true, and I will follow your precepts wherever they take me. Because I know you're there with me, and I know ultimately your truth will be the way things play out. That's that's the expectation we have as Christians, and that should go into every single interrelationship we come in contact with. And it never includes canceling somebody's worth. Because then you're not being in alignment with what God says is true. And that's a very dangerous place to be. Yeah, that's kind of where I feel where we are. What about you, George? Uh, well, with again, free will is, is there given to us. And we were talking about it earlier, like uh, even how Mike had put it on the table. He says, okay, if this here... Uh, we lose our temper and whatever the case isn't God's way, then it's not God's way. We're not following God's spirit. So none of these things, like uh, if all of a sudden we're going to have a judgmental tone towards someone rather than an edifying way, a loving way, or a, a, a graceful way of helping a person go through what they're going through. Well, which one is Jesus's way and which one isn't Jesus's way? It, it, all of a sudden, when you dissect everything using the scriptures and going through it, it's very easy to see. Uh, the, even with the uh, uh, the model of the uh, Holy Spirit, uh, 
love, joy, peace, you know, kindness, gentleness, meekness, uh, long-suffering. Very easy to see when you go off, when you start looking at the list evil has got where uh, uh, bursts of wrath, anger, uh, lasciviousness, uh, uh, just sexual immoralities. It just, you see where you can easily go right astray, no matter what. And, but still count on human humanity that people seem to be putting more of a priority on our feelings and our emotions rather than God's truth. The Holy Spirit puts us onto God's truth more so than our feelings and our emotions. Now, our feelings and our emotions, when they're in check, through the Holy Spirit. They're able to experience this world in a proper way. But when it's at the random wishes of whoever is in control of their own feelings and emotions, it's, it, 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 well, we already see where it goes away right off the bat. And this is why the importance of that third party. So I don't even believe that even though the majority of the world is in fear, in chaos, and the only light that's there for any form of resemblance of peace is Jesus. It's Jesus, no matter what. And I think if anything COVID's done for us, it's amplified that more so, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way where you can have the presence of his peace, his love. And when you have that, you don't allow fear to be the conquering force of your next decision or choices that you have to make within the family. And and if anything, that's the more of the message of where I believe for those that are influencers to try to get people to realize that Jesus is always has both hands open. I give before you the choice of death and life. Choose life. He even says choose life. And he's gentle about it. And he never forces it because it has to be your choice. That's the difference. You know, I um, I was trying to share this to the Jim Fannin Show page. And for whatever reason, on the live feed, it just asked me to share to groups. And, you know, I'm not very good at leading with God. I'm not a good um, Bible thumper, as my father would call him back in the days. You know, I grew up Catholic. Uh, but I said to um, Ricardo, he's a moto coach down at the bottom of the hill where I live here. I came back from church the other day. And, you know, how you doing? He speaks half-decent English. And he's just the sweetest man. And the only moto coach that I've jumped on to trust with my life because down here they're they're insane the way they drive and you're on the back of a bike with these guys so I said oh, I just came from church he says oh you love Jesus I think he said you love Jeebus because yeah. you know in his broken English <laughs> you know because they don't they don't pronounce the the J's or the V's the way we do right and so I said yeah yeah you know I, I got my cross I showed it to him whatever anyway I shared this conversation to the and what I'm saying is I don't usually promote my own stuff. I'm not sharing it to every group of everything cabarette, everything Sasua, sure, expats sure. and all that. But I did share it to the Jordan Peterson Bible study group 
So that's weird. And we've got a that's few people. That's different. On. Yeah. Uh, nice. Timmy Turnup. Timmy Turnup is online on YouTube. Says Go Truckers and All Mandates. And Floorscore. I'm not sure who Floorscore is, but they, because I don't know if they're male or female, are a uh, persistent and uh, regular contributor on Twitch. And Floorscore came out and said, oh, no. So I just called them out, and uh, as their next comment was, holy moly. Anyways, your thoughts, maybe we'll start with Mike, and I know George has got some um, thoughts on it as well. You know, a, a man that I consider one of the greatest communicators of our time and one of the deepest thinkers of our time has obviously ha had a come-to-Jesus moment. His prayer uh, that I dissected by way of stopping and starting and, and including my own commentary on it was unbelievable. He cannot speak about Jesus or God without being moved to tears now. And I predicted it that when he came up against his um, when he came up against his benzo dependency and I I. I, I deliberately don't call it an addiction because of the way benzos operate. Many people use them, and he used them when his wife Tammy was four-stage terminal cancer, which she has recovered from for some reason. Wow. Uh, he's had a an unbelievable turnaround, and he's taught me so much, one about like the big five personality types. I didn't know that you were born a liberal and that you were born a conservative type of mindset. Like I just thought it was uh, nurture over nature. No, it's nature. You're born an artist who tends to lean left. And the conservatives uh, who like their boxes, like their rules, like their gods, like their, you know, their strong borders, literally and figuratively, can't, can't, invent a business if their life depended on it where the, the artists and the lefties are the entrepreneurs and run the businesses into the ground and then the the conservatives come in and they run the business to a success so you know he taught me a lot i've watched every single one of his lectures university lectures so i have a a degree in jordan peterson's philosophy but mike maybe you could just talk about a little bit about this transformation that you've seen in him and the effect that it has on just everyday people. I think he's truly leading people to God and to faith and to hope as a result. Um, I have a lot to say on that. I, I think um, we have had, you and I have had conversations about him in the past and what I believe he's actually come to understand. Um, he was so close for so long and he may have been tipped over just recently but here's here's ultimately i was reminded of this last night when i when i told you guys that story of um if you're in a university environment now and you're in a zoom call you actually have to name your pronouns as part of the process to be involved in a teaching zoom call um i was reminded of the original um u of t campus video that propelled him to a position of, um, and I'll use the word uh, advisedly, infamy amongst the social left when he refused to call people by what they determined were pronouns other than the ones that he believed were the truth. And, and how that 
basically vaulted him up to a position of understanding and and um, and fame around the world because he hit them back with something they never expected and that was logic and he broke through the lies that said that every every person is entitled to believe what they want about themselves whether it's true or not and furthermore you have to take it a step further and believe it with them so you actually become part of a cultural process that calls truth a lie and lie lie the truth yep. and i think if if he was doing what he said or what we've talked about earlier and we have defined the concept of truth to be embodied in the person of jesus christ and he's legitimately willing based on his clinical experience his intellectual experience his academic experience and so on and so forth to look at life in certain ways and figure out what really works and what doesn't and come to the conclusion that when he wrote his first book a lot of it looks like adherence to the ten commandments and so when he makes these decisions and he makes the and he comes to the understanding that you know what maybe humankind is everything it's it's been advertised to be it's a highly complex highly diverse circumstance but ultimately it's defined by the fact that it's got the stain of sin on it and when he looks at that and he sees the god who says i have a way to overcome that stain and he and he does the honest thing which he looks at it and says there's the evidence this is the only conclusion i can come to i think that's where he where he is got a unique message in the world he is coming from academia which want no part of what he's thinking about in terms of really truly using if you if you will scientific method which is hypothesize observe conclude he's done that honestly and he's come to the conclusion that people really need to know god because he is actually real and he is what he says he is and he holds the power that nobody else holds that's part of what i think is his unique message that nobody else can draw from in the same way and it's one of the reasons why he draws so much ire in society because he says i think this is real i think you people are deluded and they don't want to hear it that's what i love about him is he comes from that perspective that i had just earlier tried to explain with the feelings and the emotions i remember when he was asked always the question are you a believer and he hated that question he hated to answer that question because of what it entailed because it entailed or encompassed all of jesus and if i can't be all of jesus then the answer can't be yes and and that's where the cusp was with that element that missing element is the holy spirit which he didn't understand at that point in time which made it very difficult for the crossover even in his life because he could see the enormity 
of the responsibility of being like Christ, only without the Holy Spirit helping him. He saw that enormity with his own spirit, which really, like, it scared him in many times and in a few times just when he broke down and cried uh, on it. That I just, my heart was for him because I could see the transformation happening. He was going down a road that he chose by his own free will that God put set before him with the intellect God had blessed him with, with his psychology that God has blessed him with. And he continuously used it to seek truth through it. And as he was seeking the truth through it, you see elements of where Jesus started coming in, Holy Spirit coming in, and not forcing the issue whatsoever because he was always asking the question, knocking and seeking as we were talking about earlier. And then all of a sudden, bang, when I saw that uh, thing that you dissected there, Jim, I, I like I was blown away. I was in tears hearing his message. I was in tears. It was Holy Spirit led because his heart was towards all people. Mm-hmm. And he wanted people to be saved from the tyranny yep. of this deception that's out mm-hmm. there. And it just it just made me so glad that he had grasped the fullness of that. And it just was unbelievable. And 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 it's just my I, I'm just in awe, still in awe as God calls people to truth. We're it, we can't bring people and change their hearts. Only Jesus can. Yeah, I think Not it, one of us can. I think it really speaks to just, you know, you don't have to try so much. Just be the example. Live as best you can to be an example because everything else is your way. And your way just leads you down a horrible street that ends in a dead end usually. <laughs> you know what I mean? Paul, your thoughts on it? Uh, no, I, I, George pretty much covered covered what I was feeling and uh, jo- uh, Jordan is uh, was uh, a way to reveal what was happening behind the, you know the, the walls of the education system so he he brought a lot of it out into the open and uh, a lot of that is happening now I believe uh, they're they're all getting you know called out plus I mean even all the counselors and the the politicians I mean their voting record is their guilt what they condone and what they didn't condone and so it's all on rec- public record how they voted against us uh, <clears throat> I'm glad O'Toole is gone but the same corruption is in that party. Same with liberals. Even if they get rid of Trudeau, that's still that corruption, that usurped section is still going to be there, even if Justin resigns. So, 
I'm glad that we have Jordan Peterson speaking for the people and, and letting parents know what's going on in the schools and what they're doing to the children and how they're just poisoned to the, the mind. They're just absolutely toxic. And now they want to, you know, march. They want to implement needles for under five-year-olds. You know, from what, six months to five-year-olds now, they're just going to just start jabbing them something they they don't need and their their bodies are uh, their immune systems are more powerful than ours you know ours the weaken over time as we get exposed to different germs and viruses and you know all our memory banks are full uh, with them they've got uh, you know very powerful I mean God doesn't create junk <laughs> so it's like an apocalypse, the lifting I, of the veil. I want to. I want to say it this way. It, it strikes me that he is an unlikely carrier of the message that he carries. Um, and I'm not going to put him on the same plane, but I'm going to use the analogy. So, just for understanding's sake, the most unlikely preacher, prophet proselytizer in the New Testament is the Apostle Paul. He's completely unlikely to be the one that was going to carry the message to the Gentiles. He was a highly educated hatchet man mm -hmm. for Old Testament theology. That's what he was. Yep. And to characterize him in a different way would be incorrect. But in typical fashion, God, what what other people would see for evil, God uses for good. So he was killing Christians. And then the next week he was proselytizing on their behalf. Um, that's, that's unheard of. And only, and only in the miraculous can you imagine that. So you look at the case. So that's the example. So what, what do we do? Or how do I extend that to Jordan Peterson? Jordan Peterson comes out of a liberal academic legacy from psychology, which is arguably no friend to spiritual life. Um, and his conclusions are such that he raises the understanding and the anger, not only with own, within, within his own uh, academic uh, uh, sphere of reference or frame of reference or sphere of influence, pardon me, but worldwide and people hit him with this stuff that's supposed to be, um, you know, George, George made mention of this earlier. And I want to, I want to really highlight this because I think it's important. You live by your feelings. You are subject to the same foibles and fickleness that feelings inherit inhabit. And so we've decided that that's going to be the bedrock upon which we make a whole lot of decisions in our life, including our worldview. So whatever I think at this particular moment in time is true. And that could be completely different in a week, but you need to give me the foundational understanding and the foundational refutation and respect to say that whatever I think right now, based on the way I feel is exactly truth. 
and that's nothing like that. And one of the things that Jordan Peterson points out very clearly is that, look, you can feel a certain way, but that's not necessarily true. Your pronouns to me are an affront to my, uh, my ability to observe and to understand logically what I see in the world. It's an affront to me. And that's why he was prepared to go out and address some fairly militant students right out in front of the, uh, back in the day, right out in front of the uh, uh, U of T campus yep. and take their, take the heat because he said, this is crazy. You can't do that to me. You're actually abrogating my rights as a citizen of Canada by doing that. And you don't care. Yeah, and people in norm in the normal world just call address each other by their name. Like you would call me Paul, I would call you Michael. You know, it's there's no pronoun involved. It's nobody's business what your proclivities are anyway. So the fact that they made it so mainstream, just pollution is toxic. Well, well here's... It's, tr it's trying to also put the focus on the pronoun rather than the real issue of communicating with one another. The real issue is that we have to communicate to one another. Yep. Why do we want to amplify the pronoun? It's because, yep. hey, look at me. I'm here. Yeah. I want to be seen. There is a case There is a case in the Halton School Board right now that uh, my wife told me about last night, about a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, maybe he's even younger. He's suing the school board because his teachers, and they've asked the teacher to be removed, for the teacher to be removed, because last year he had a name and he decided to change it. Nothing legal or anything like that. He just thought, I'm going to change it. And there's a concept that I learned about last night, and it's called dead naming. And it's a form of um, prejudice, I guess. Disrespect, they call it. Or disrespect. It's called dead naming because you're using the pronoun or the, the name that you had for arguably all the time the kid was alive up until that point. And the teachers still call him by the same name. If that isn't a significant societal cry for help, yes, I don't know what is. No, that's absolutely the result of all this critical race theory and pronouns and they're just polluting the minds of children and look and and they're creating little monsters not only that we, we've covered their faces for two years now and we yeah. haven't begun yeah. to realize the impact on their mental health you know what when the when the masks come off we're gonna have children screaming in fear because they've never seen their teachers faces and they're not accustomed to it you know I can't I can't begin to imagine the psychological significance of masking children. But uh, just to, before we wrap up here, Floor Score gets in and says, in regards to Jordan Peterson, leading the lost to irrec e irreconcilable? Irreconcilable? Irreconcilable Irreconcilable, yeah. Conflict is what he said. So yeah, he, he really stepped out into the wilderness there with his um, you know, refusal to use mandated speech for yes. invented words, for biological 
preferences that don't actually exist in biology or science or whatever. I, and I'm, you know, I'm kind of, I take the Ben Shapiro thing. If you change your name from Walter to Wendy, okay, I might, I might slip once in a while because it's habitual to call you Walter, but I'll call you Wendy. I'll refer to you as a she. I got no problem like that, but you're not going to make me admit that you're a woman. <laughs> you know, you're not a woman. There's nothing that you could do to make yourself a woman. Dressing up like one doesn't do it. And I think it, di it does a disservice to women since yeah. the beginning of time, the fact that I can just say, okay, I'm a woman now and, and beat you up in an MMA ring or I'm a pedophile, and this actually happened, convicted pedophile for abusing young girls transforms to a woman. It takes nine years for him to get the guilty plea. They're putting him in juvenile women's prison. <laughs> I mean, like, what has happened to us that we have turned away from truth and science to the point where we're going to put a convicted biological man that was a young offender and we're convicting him his sentence oh, don't get me started on on the judges that are are taking people's children from them and as a court order mandating that they get the vaccination before they get the children's back their children back they're actually they put this now 28 year old man in a juvenile female female detention like i don't know well anyways let's wrap it up i gotta get to court at noon my time which uh, is mike guy actually hit it on the head yeah. he says what they call e evil good and good evil <laughs> and he closes his thoughts. and you know what that's a travesty yeah mm -hmm. it's an absolute travesty that's the part about it that's so just disheartening but again i come back to what i said three hours ago god is still sovereign and that's where our hope lies and that's what, where it will always lie um uh regardless of the circumstances we see in our society and that's a big amen <laughs> well floor score stayed on for the whole video to say that this was a sad episode truth <laughs> science and jesus yikes <laughs> Well, thanks That's for uh, sticking around. That's Anyways. quite all right, four score. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I love you boys. Thanks for doing this. Uh, maybe we'll make a habit of it more often just uh, because you never know. I don't know. Well, I mean, see where it leads. My broadcasting <laughs> hasn't certainly done anything that I can see to change the world. So maybe taking a different approach, maybe we'll have some sort of positive effect. I don't know. And it's not right. like we're going to hurt you or anything in any way. <laughs> can't, can't embarrass me. I've already made my f fun of myself enough before you can say anything that embarrasses me. Anyways, well, we're off the hook, boys. We're off the hook. Yeah, baby. Oh, there's my alarm. I got to go to court. Oh, there you go. All right. I love you guys. We'll talk soon. See ya. I put down in Take the comments care. the Zoom link if anybody that's watching it on replay. You don't need an invitation. You can show up to Central Community Church in the in the lobby. Usually, the guys provide coffee. I understand you guys get a lot of snow today. We still have five or six guys at the in the cafe today, but in the comments on any platform that you're looking at, uh, if you want to join in, it's yeah. I mean, it's based in 
in scripture but sometimes i mean we can go a whole hour without saying anything about god other than the prayer that opens it so and that's very true too yeah and that's yeah, like yeah. what happened today i mean uh we opened with the, one of the guys sharing that he went to ottawa and how proud he was and and we spent an hour talking about our frustrations and w- what we're faced with and our opinions and and you know i don't think we hardly mentioned scripture once so it's not like it's a you know, we're not beating you over the head to get you to convert to Christianity. It's more a men's support group based in faith. So, speak for yourself, Fannin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. I love you. We'll talk soon. Thank you for the conversation See today. See you next week. It was great. See ya. Yep. Ciao. See you next week, brothers.